Hi, and welcome to this audio edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. On this program, we discuss polygamy and Mormon fundamentalism from a biblical Christian perspective. We talk about the history of polygamy, its modern-day fruit, share stories from people who have escaped polygamy, and talk about current events relating to polygamy. You can learn more about the video edition of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. And now, here's Doris. In June of 2008, we broadcast our first television program. And during that broadcast, we showed the film Lifting the Veil of Polygamy as an introduction to our very first show. We wanted our viewers to know that there are people who have come out of polygamy who have left the false salvation plan of polygamists behind and have come into the truth and the light of Jesus Christ. We've continued to replay that DVD at least once every year since our first show, and we do that for a couple of reasons. The first reason is that we have numerous requests from our viewers for encore showings of the film. And second, the reality of the pain that is caused by polygamy should never be forgotten, and we should never allow it to be swept under the rug. Living polygamy is not a pleasant lifestyle. Contemporary books and reality shows are trying to present polygamy as just another healthy, happy, and valid alternative lifestyle. But that isn't true. The reality shows in the books will never tell you that Mormon polygamists believe that their God demands polygamy. It is required in order to please Him. That's it, plain and simple, in a nutshell. The truth that Jesus wants all of us to know is that the God of the Bible loves women entirely too much to insist upon such a painful purpose in marriage. So again tonight, we are showing our short version of Lifting the Veil of Polygamy. And if this is the first time you've seen it, go grab some Kleenex. But if you've seen it before, we hope that you enjoy watching it all over again. So let's watch Lifting the Veil of Polygamy. I was born in Hilldale, Utah, which is the, the Utah side of Colorado City. I was born a seventh generation fundamental Mormon. Every generation from Joseph Smith's day to mine has lived polygamy. I was born in a fundamentalist group. I was born and raised in the Kingston group. Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith started it. Polygamy, plural marriage. The principle. True Mormonism is. Original Mormonism. The highest principle of the gospel is plural celestial marriage. It was essential to their salvation. That's what we were taught. Mormon Church, officially known as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is led by a successor to Joseph Smith. But mainline Mormons are not the only Mormons who celebrate Joseph Smith and lay claim to his spiritual lineage. 
These are Mormon fundamentalists. Both fundamentalist Mormons and mainstream Mormons declare Joseph Smith as their founding prophet. The fundamentalist Mormons practice polygamy today, but mainline Mormons have given up polygamy. Nevertheless, they still believe they will practice it in eternity. Mainline Mormons deny that the fundamentalists are true Mormons. There are actually no Mormon fundamentalists. Likewise, the Mormon fundamentalists deny that the mainline church is truly Mormon because it gave up the practice of polygamy in this life. According to fundamentalists, the mainline Mormon church is in a state of apostasy. But there are dozens of organized fundamentalist groups. One of the largest of these is the Fundamentalist Latter-day Saint Church, or FLDS as it is commonly called. Their leader is a man named Warren Jeffs, whom they hold to be a modern-day prophet. Polygamous prophet Warren Jeffs. Warren Jeffs. Warren Steve Jeffs. Are you uh, Warren Jeffs? Yes. I'm on Warren Jeffs' hit list. If you wanted to see what original Mormonism is, look at Warren Jeffs. It's extremely hypocritical to rant and rave about Warren Jeffs uh, when they're Mormon, because Joseph Smith and Brigham Young did the same things uh, to a worse degree. Warren Jeffs would be living closer to the Joseph Smith's teachings and Brigham Young's teachings. Most of the church leaders today are descendant from pioneer Mormons that all practice polygamy, but that's embarrassing for the church. I think they fear it will hurt their missionary endeavors. And the church today wants it both ways. They want to have Joseph Smith, the prophet of God, but they want the ability to reject any of his doctrines that don't fit comfortably in today's world. It seems like an odd position to me. Either he was what he claimed to be or he isn't. I don't see a middle ground here. Hinckley even had an interview where he condemned polygamy. You condemn it? I condemn it, yes, as a practice because I think it is not doctrinal. When I hear statements like that, I just, I, first of all, I just have to wonder where they're coming from. What they're doing is they're brainwashing the world. Just like they brainwash their membership, they're brainwashing the world because Polygamy started with them. Joseph Smith, their prophet, said, if you don't live polygamy, you do not get exalted in heaven. The Mormons need to own up to it. It is not legal, and this church takes the position that we will abide by the law. It wasn't legal when Joseph Smith went into it. So I can see how the polygamists rationalize going against the law now. Joseph Smith went against the law. So did Brigham Young, so did John Taylor, so did Wilfred Woodruff. All the presidents of the church that had plural wives knew they were going against the laws of the land. Mainline Mormonism is very embarrassed by, the, by their polygamous roots, really, by their, the, the beginnings of their religion. They assume it was just a social practice, a sort of welfare system that supposedly there were so many women in the church that were widows that this was a means of taking care of them and as soon as the imbalance was corrected, the church quit practicing it. That is absolutely wrong. We can prove that the census that was taken here in Utah Territory at the time shows there never was a time when there was more women than men in the territory. So that was never the reason for polygamy. Its aim was a doctrinal issue of eternal life, exaltation, not some social reform to take care of needy women. It was doctrinally driven that 
If any man was to reach godhood, he had to practice polygamy. The church today denying polygamy puts them in this funny position of denying what is really their doctrine, but it's hid from the convert. Basically, the fundamentalists and the Mormons aren't that different. Both mainline Mormons and fundamentalist Mormons believe in the exact same doctrine that one day a faithful man is going to become a god. As man is, God once was, as God is, man may become. We were taught that God the Father is uh, the husband of many wives in heaven. And we were spirit children in heaven and we were sent to earth to get a body. And we all understood that uh, man's hope was to someday go on to Godhood to run his own world. The rationale for polygamy in the whole Mormon scheme is that's the way it's lived in heaven in the first place. The concept of polygamy came from a doctrinal idea that man is going to progress to Godhood and someday he's going to go off to procreate all the spirits of the children that'll go to his world. in the mainline Mormon church, I was teaching the gospel doctrine class, that one day they would definitely have to live polygamy. And the wife of one of the members of the bishopric came over and sat on my couch and shed bitter tears over the fact that she knew she could not share her husband with anybody else. She was so madly in love with her husband. And I mean, she suffered, suffered over this. My own grandfather outlived my grandma went to the Mormon rest home, married a spinster school teacher there, a sweet old lady that had never been married before, married her in the Salt Lake Temple, and my family all is assured that Grandpa got both of those women in heaven as his plural wives to help him in his exaltation. It is very much still a part of the doctrine of Mormonism. It's just something that's kept in the background. was raised in Colonia LeBaron in Mexico. My dad had two wives, my mom, and he married a Mexican lady named Maria and uh, had a large family with her also. There's a, a huge lack of fathering in, in that community. It's epidemic, you know. Uh, you know, when you have 72 children like Rula Jeffs did and you can't remember their names. Um, I mean, my dad had 27 kids of his own and I suffered under striving and, and trying to, to get my dad's approval. My dad would never own up that I was his. My birth certificate says Roy Mackert is my father. There's no such person. Clyde Mackert is my father. You know, he wouldn't own me. That hurts real deep. in a polygamy group, you have to lie. One way or another, even if you don't live polygamy in a polygamy group, there has to be lie and deceit in your life. There has to be, because there's always a cover-up. You're told to cover up, you're told to lie, you're taught how to lie. You have to lie to protect the group. All of the people in our group were warned, you've got to be careful, they're spying on us, make sure you don't say anything, the Kingdom of God is at risk here, they will take us all and throw us in jail. Just be sure that you and your children do not say anything because anybody who reveals anything that goes on in this group 
will be doomed to uh, eternity as a son of perdition in the deepest depths of hell. And of course, as the child, that really affects your whole life. It draws you in so you don't talk to other people. Because you might say something that would then throw your dad in jail. So you're scared to talk about anything to anybody. The abuse in a closed society will, will always be propagated. And the Kingston group and many of the other groups like the FLDS are extremely closed. And so there, since there is no accountability in that area either, then there's going to be uh, a lot of abuse of the women and children. The sexual abuse thing, I don't want to throw a blanket over and, and say that all polygamous families have this in it because that wouldn't be true. Uh, it happened to me. It's happened to other girls that I've known. And people who hear about this just are amazed that these men with all these wives would be sexual predators with their daughters. And, and, and oh, why? I get that. Why? And my only answer is that, you know, when old men start marrying women who are the ages of their daughters and having sexual relations with a girl who's as young as their daughters, um, it starts to cloud the issue. My father was preparing us for marriage. Doctrine and Covenants, Section 132, was used heavily. It was taught to us constantly. It was shoved down our throats. In fact, the way they use it, uh, the way Joseph Smith used it in DNC with Emma, uh, threatening her with hell and damnation, that she would be destroyed if she didn't live plural marriage, was the same, exactly the same way that they do that and teach the children as they grow up in, in the Kingston group that they will be destroyed and they're using the fear and the guilt uh, that we need to live plural marriage or else we'll be destroyed. Mary and I always had a great relationship when we were young. She was always my favorite sister and uh, we had a close relationship and then she just upped and vanished. My wedding day was far none the saddest day of my life. I tell people I've been to happier funerals. I was leaving all that I knew and loved and going with a man that I barely knew. And to what situation in his family, how many wives, I had a clue. How many children, where they lived, I knew nothing. There was a horrible thunderstorm that day. And I remember sitting there in the car with my mother and my father and just praying, Lord, knock one of these trees over on us and kill us. I'd rather die. I'd rather die. I begged God to take me. Car accident. <laughs> Lightning, please, from heaven, strike me. <laughs> I don't want to do this. I was 17. 17 years old, and my husband was 50. He was older than my father. 
It became the six out of seven wives to him. And we weren't told where she, who she was married to, and she was tucked away in secrecy. And uh, it was probably three or four years before we figured out where she was. I believe that secretiveness began with Joseph Smith. The secretiveness is because of what society would do if they knew. The old men are sleeping with little girls, 14, 15, 16-year-old little girls, when they're old enough to be their father. I mean, they're people who just go on the warpath. And so it's kept on the hush. I was pursued from the time I was 14 by several of the colony men and ended up marrying Verlin LeBaron, who was the, the prophet Joel's younger brother. And I became his sixth wife. He was 38, and I was a week past my 15th birthday. Well, you take uh, Mormon and put all the evidence before them, you can show that the leaders said it was essential to exaltation. And that's how they convinced people to switch over from the regular LDS church into the different polygamous groups. When I was in the Mormon church, I knew my doctrine backwards and forwards, and I just felt I needed more. And my, my driving urge was that I wanted to become closer to God. I ended up deciding to join this small fundamentalist group in Montana pretty soon. I mean, I was miserable. And, but there was no way I was going to leave because I felt like I had covenanted with God to go into this group. And I loved Joseph Smith with all my heart because that's what you're told a lot, you know, it's, it's all about him. I had to, to do everything that Joseph Smith said I had to do, plural marriage, all of it, or I couldn't be with God and my greatest fear is that I wouldn't be with God. So I just felt like that that's what I had to do. And then when I married, that's what he wanted. And so that began our search into finding a polygamous group to belong to. Well, Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, John Taylor, Heber C. Kimber, Wilford Woodruff, none of those men could be in the church today. That was the big uh, selling point to get you into fundamentalism. That was the main selling point to get you in. Yeah, the more mainline Mormon church, we just kind of looked at them like those poor deceived people, you know, they got a watered down religion. The Kingstons uh, believe and teach that uh, the Mormon church is wrong. They've, they've apostatized when they gave up the doctrine of polygamy. There have been over a hundred different break-off groups of Mormonism. So there are many groups today that claim to be the true followers of Joseph Smith. It isn't just one church. There are many different churches that claim uh, Joseph Smith as their head. Our church was the only true church on the face of the earth. To me, that's so amazing that the creator of the universe would say, okay, all the people in the world are going to go to hell except for this little group here. When we, they first told me, because we were converted in Salt Lake, and then the, they said, come down to the city of God. They said, it's a beautiful city of God. So we went down there. We hadn't been in too long. Oh, my heart. <laughs> it's just, I said, the only celestial kingdom here is for the rats. It was so bad. Trailers just flung in there any old way mud and 
dirt and no grass and I stood in the streets and I said Father in heaven this is the city of God is it fear that holds women in polygamous marriages for fear of being destroyed like Joseph Smith said to Emma for me it was for me it was because I had to strive to be an elect lady and that was the only way I was getting there was to be submissive to my husband and um, if I wasn't, and I didn't give him the wives that he wanted, I would be destroyed and would be damned. That's absolutely taught in the fundamentalist groups, absolutely. When you're married in the principle, every day of your life is a competition for his resources. And every day, you're having to do it better than somebody else. You, you really didn't have a good, solid relationship with your husband because you knew that he wasn't just yours. You couldn't build this, this bond with him because if you did, you would be disappointed. He was gone. He was with other wives. There was uh, the constant feeling of, of jealousy. It's not a peaceful existence. Behind the scenes, it's not Happyville. And there's horrible trouble between the sister wives. It is not a pleasant way to live. It's horrible. Lying in my bed, when in the very room next door, he's making love to another woman. It's torture. It's torment for a woman. You've given a wife to your husband, and the first time that they go to her, um, it kills. I thought I was literally going to die. I was begging for death. I was just, could hardly breathe. To see him leave you, leave you and your arms and your home, and know that he's going to another wife, or more than one other wife, is uh, beyond difficult. It, it's heart breaking. And so those women with those big smiles on their faces have denied their true feelings. They've buried it and they've put on a plastic facade. I'm not jealous of my sister wife. I love her. Oh really? I just think you don't feel your feelings anymore. Denial was my drug of choice too. For you feel like all those feelings and emotions that you have, you're taught that they are wicked and evil and, and that you need to repent. You never know for sure that you have a home in heaven. There's never a day that you know. It's always work, 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 try, try, try. Hope, 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 pray, pray, pray. What led me to start to question polygamy? Number one was the loneliness that I felt, the loneliness that I saw in my husband's other wives. Plus I was angry at God and I wanted him to explain to me why it was okay for his, his daughters to be lonely and without a husband and yet how he could love his sons so much more than his daughters. I started studying the scriptures 
and I decided that polygamy was my biggest issue, that's where I would start. I read in the Book of Mormon that God was very uh, upset with them for living polygamy. I started looking at the Bible and, and uh, the Doctrine and Covenants and each one of these things said something different. The Doctrine and Covenants revelations that were given to Joseph Smith commanded polygamy and how God could change from saying it was an abomination in the Book of Mormon to commanding Joseph Smith's church to live it, saying that it was necessary. Uh, this just didn't make sense to me. From everything that I started to study, polygamy was absolutely not commanded by God in the Bible. And I asked if I could drive in my car up to Flathead Lake and they thought I wanted to go and pray and thank the Lord, you know, for the wonderful opportunity I've had joining this group. And I just needed to get away. Way out in the middle of nowhere was this little Christian church. So I slipped inside that only because I was bored and didn't have anything else to do that Sunday. I began to hear for the first time about what the biblical grace meant. I learned that I was a sinner and began to understand more what Jesus actually did for me on the cross. So I was able to attend for about four Sundays and I was followed and they found out back on the farm that, and I was confronted when I came back. Have you been going to that little church? All this rage broke loose. Didn't I know I was committing spiritual adultery and I was worshiping at the altar of Baal by going into this Christian church? So I was ordered to hand over the keys to my car, which I dutifully did. Uh, I, on the back of the property was a, a large building that was finished on the outside, but unfinished on the inside, except for one small eight by 10 room. And that's where I was put until I could repent of my sin. They wanted me to come into the meeting and tell this horrible sin I did by going to the Christian church and to denounce the Christian Jesus. And I wouldn't do that. I knew I can never be good enough to go to heaven. I can never be that good. And what was funny is that's the truth. I couldn't. Requirements were too high. And so I really started searching for the truth at that point. I'd been told that everything outside, everyone outside my religious circle was wicked and evil, that they hated me. My father had told us that if they knew who you were and what you believed, they would chew you up and spew you out. And I knew I'd been lied to. For not everyone out there hated me. And if they had lied to me about this, what else had they lied to me about? Well, the thing that uh, keeps them in and makes them so I don't even question is because they've been taught since birth that their salvation is in that group and that's the only place it is. That if they leave, they'll go to hell. Just as simple as that. I said, Lord, if these are your people, send me to hell. I don't want to be where they are. And I chose, I consciously chose to go to hell and stay in the group. I remember that. I remember that decision of making that choice. I knew somebody who would help me. 
And so uh, we made the plans three days after I turned 18. In the middle of the night, they were going to meet me in front of the house, and I was going to be ready. And that's what I did. That's what I did. And I, uh, I remember getting in the car and driving away, and I remember such a sense of freedom come over me. In the polygamous group where they prearranged the marriages, the, the girls got a week's notice that they were going to get married so they could throw a dress together or, or borrow one, and, and the guys found out the day before, and they got married. I got a phone call from, the, uh, from Roy Johnson, the leader of the group. He says, do you know so-and-so? I said, no. I knew of her, but I didn't know her. And he says, well, I want you to go meet her this afternoon and get married tomorrow. If I say no, I'm out. Pack your bags, you're out of the community, you're out of the religion. You're ostracized because you don't rebel against the prophet. So I married that gal that I didn't really know, who I was not attracted to in any way. Even the marriage was used as a way to control me. And so after three and a half months, almost four months, I told her, I said, I'm sorry, I don't love you. I tried to, I don't. You know, go home, they'll give you to somebody who will. You know, I, girls hear this and they oh, that's so mean. And I'm like, no, it was desperation, it was survival. I just about got trapped in something that, that I, I don't know that I would have escaped from. I had to come to the point where, where I just said, oh well, I guess I'm gonna go to hell, but I gotta get out of here. And I remember finally when I left, I mean emotionally, I was still 15, 16 years old and five children to be responsible for. And then they wanted to give my husband an 18-year-old girl. And I said, well, if you take her for a wife, she's not living here and I won't, I won't be a party to it. Well then, you know, there's always the whippings and the beatings that go on and it was, uh, it went from bad to worse, and that's when I decided I was out of there. That's when I left, but um, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I left the only life that I'd ever known. I was 57 years old when I left, and it was, I still didn't know God, still didn't know the truth, but I knew that that wasn't it. Ervil LeBaron, Joel's younger brother, he wanted to be the leader of the church. And so he had his brother, Joel, murdered. I, we'd been taught from the time I was a little girl that Joel would be here to usher in uh, Jesus Christ's second coming. So when that didn't happen, uh, yeah, my faith really was shaken at that point. At the point that Verlin started to court his tenth wife, I knew that I, I just couldn't hang around any longer. I needed to get my children and myself and leave. I was 23 and we left the colony and I knew that I wouldn't, wouldn't go back, that I was leaving for good. Of course, I really didn't know what I was going to. Um, I was scared, I felt very, um, very lost. I was uh, locked in a uh, small eight by 10 room. I was in that room for about nine months. My health deteriorated uh, terribly. When I was in that room, uh, every day I prayed, and I never prayed to for the Lord to get me out of there because I don't want to be looked upon by God as a covenant breaker. So come what may, I would not try to escape. And one day I was praying, I was kneeling by the bed, and uh, I usually said my prayers aloud, and right in the middle of a sentence I was totally interrupted with these words, I shall deliver you. 
And I remember sitting back on my knees and I thought, wow, that had to have been God. And then the light dawned, aha, if he's going to deliver me, that must mean he, he approves of my leaving. <laughs> and fortunately, the, the front door was unlocked and I knew where they kept the keys to my car on a nail in the back porch of the main farmhouse. So I got in my car and out of the side view mirror, I saw the leader start to walk for the car. And oh boy, I just rammed that accelerator, slid the car around, rammed the passenger side of the car into a big pile of, of redwood ties that were piled there. And But I took off down that driveway and I was out of there. When I left the group, I was empty-headed to the degree that I didn't have an opinion. I wasn't allowed to have an opinion. You are so nobody, you are so nothing, and you're so brainwashed. You're not ready for the world. A lot of women that leave, a lot of men that leave, will also go back. Because of that brainwashing, I think, is the main reason. In here, you're going to go to hell. 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 The only way is back. The only way is back. My biggest fear was, what if I die and get on the other side and find out it was true after all? And it scared me. Through all of those years after I left the group, I didn't want any religion. The only God I knew was the God of the polygamy group. God hated me. I'd been taught that all my life. He hated me, and so the best thing to do is be run away from him, and which I did for years and years. It always blew me away when, if my uh, brothers or sisters, when they left polygamy and they joined the Mormon church, I'm like, ah, what are you doing? <laughs> if, the tree, if the root's bad, the tree's bad, the branches are bad. If polygamy is wrong, and that's why you left, then why are you going back to Mormonism? I, it just dumbfounded me. Like, it's the same thing, boys, you know? It's just whitewashed a little bit. It's just cleaned up a little more socially acceptable than the fundamentalists. You know, if you want to get free, get free. All the way. My children were pushing at me to get back in the Mormon church. So, being the pleaser that I've been through my life, I went back into the Mormon church, but when I went to get rebaptized, back into the Mormon church, I felt absolutely icky about it. I didn't feel right in doing it, but I did it to please my kids. And that became a living hell also for me. And so I just started to plead with God, teach me the truth, that the truth might set me free because I can't take this anymore. And I told Father in Heaven, I said, you take me home, if you will, please, because I can't stand this anymore, or get me out of it and show me the truth, because I can't live this way anymore. Not there, not here. And I said, Father, somewhere there's got to be some truth. Somewhere i got to find it. I told the Lord, I said, Father in Heaven, I'll crawl back to the branch on my hands and knees if that's what you want. To, if that's where you're at, and that's what you want, 
I'll go or I'll stay in the Mormon church if that's what you want. I will do anything you want me to do. I just want to be where the truth is and serve you with all of my heart, my mind and strength. Just take me there, please. I've begged him and it's just opening up, you know inch by inch and it's still very hard for me because I'm fresh in it and I told God I will do whatever you want. You can have everything. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just don't let go of me because I love him. And that's why I'm here because it feels so right to me at this point in my life and I just told him, I said, I can't stand this confusion anymore. It's got to be cleared up for me. I can't live in it anymore. Take me home if I have to because it's driving me crazy. I'm going to end up in the loony bin trying to find you, you know. So. Smith questioned the final authority, God's Word. They teach that the Bible is right in as much as it's been translated correctly, which it, they claim it has not been. One of the first things I started looking up was, I need to find out where the Bible teaches that Jesus and Satan are brothers. And I remember sitting down, opening the Bible, and searching for it. And searching and searching and searching, and it wasn't there. To realize who Jesus really was, was when I was when I was convicted. It just seemed like it was plain then. The things in the Bible made sense. And the, one of the most amazing things for me was to learn that Jesus Christ was God. That just blew me away. The Mormon Church and the, the fundamentalists, including the Kingston clan, their Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Their Jesus is somebody that they can become equal to. And how can you worship a God if you can be his equal? God says he doesn't change. Same yesterday, today, and forever. I had no idea that the Bible contradicted Mormonism so strongly. And I began to study in the Bible, and I began to see where God said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Isaiah 40, verse 8, you know, that the grass withers. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word of God endures forever. If God said it, isn't he strong enough? Isn't he able? to keep his word. If he said it, he can do it. And it said, God loves you. And that was where God just took his arrow and pierced me. And I started to cry because I had never heard that before. Never. It had always been God hated you. It's so exciting when you've been raised in a lie and you find the truth, the beauty. The, the beauty of the truth and the, the simplicity of it, and yet the depths of it. When I became a Christian, and I realized the gospel means good news. And I look back at what I grew up, that wasn't good news at all. I hadn't learned any good news when I was growing up. Everything that I learned as a gospel as a child was bad news. That's why I ran away from it, because it was such bad news. Well, the good news is focused on a person. The gospel is a person. Salvation is a person. First time I went to church after I was saved, they were singing songs to Jesus. And I just stood there and bawled. I just cried and cried the whole service. I just, all I did was cry. I thought, everybody thought I was really weird.
because that's all I did was cry because everything was Jesus centered in the group in the polygamy group everything is them centered it's not you centered you do die to yourself in one of those groups because you're not a person it's them centered so when you get out and you see that Jesus is the center of it it's just it's just it's just so awesome it's hard to really explain but it's a beauty that it permeates your soul and it changes your life it's awesome I was invited to go to a Christian church and it was really difficult for me to want to step into one of these churches that I've been taught my whole life was an abomination. You know, the Lord just really spoke to my heart in that church. I felt like the pastor's message was directed right at me. And I, before I knew it, I, I was just standing there as we were singing and I was crying, just crying and I didn't know why. And I accepted Jesus as my Savior that day. I could rest in, the, in what Jesus did for me because how on earth could I earn my salvation since, since I, have, I un, finally understood the, the sin nature. It's knowing that I don't have to perform that I'm saved by grace because no matter what I could do, I could have never got there anyway. Not in anything I could do. I couldn't have been good enough. And that's, that's the joke of it all that, that in the Mormon church they're living by. They're never going to be good enough and they're working their tail ends off, bless their hearts, and they're, that's not how they're going to get there. Christ already did it. God says He's going to deliver you. He'll deliver you from everything. He's done a pretty good job, I'd say. <laughs> There's nothing that we can do because Jesus did it all. Because he's God. The only reason he could do it is because he was God. He is God. And he shed his blood once for all. The Holy Spirit convicted me. All of a sudden everything made sense. Just like, just like I was in total darkness. And Jesus turned the light on. I could see. It all made sense. And I got on my knees and confessed my sins and asked, asked him to come into my heart. He did not disappoint me. Before that time, I was so racially prejudiced that I was an embarrassment to my family. I was really bad. I know they, that the leader, Ortel, the one that I followed, was very prejudiced, and they taught that. They believe that to this day, I'm sure. That was completely gone that night. I couldn't have done that in a lifetime. But Jesus took from me in an instant what I couldn't have done in a lifetime. I have people from the group just shake their head at me. How can you walk away from your heritage? Seven generations that have lived the principle. And all I can say is that I have a heritage that is not of this world. I have a heritage that is in Christ. And that it's eternal. And no one can take it from me. It's not of this world. And I would trade my Mormon heritage any day for what I have in Christ. My mother had come by with a friend of hers and they were going to win me back to the principal. And in our discussions, 
my youngest child overheard was talking about Joseph Smith. And he said, after they left, Mom, who is this Joseph Smith? And before I could say anything, he says, I know about Joseph with the coat of many colors. But who is Joseph Smith? And I picked him up and whirled him around the room and kissed him on the cheek and said, Hallelujah, I have a child who doesn't know who Joseph Smith is. back to our program. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed watching this encore play of, of the DVD, Lifting the Veil of Polygamy. It's very touching to watch the stories of these women and men who had the opportunity to leave the polygamy group and find the truth in Jesus Christ, and that's the only place that you will find the truth. Um, I want to share a letter that I received from someone who had been coming to our support group for quite some time. She moved out of the area, but she wrote to me just a couple of weeks ago and expressed to me her gratefulness of being able to have the freedom to, to look into the truths and accept the truths of Jesus Christ. She said, Dear Doris, I once found it difficult to watch your show and listen to what you had to say. Gradually, I became interested in checking out the history of Mormonism as you have encouraged your viewers to do. At first, I was afraid. The fear of reading anything not sanctioned by the Mormon church or by, by, by my polygamous family held me bound. The threat that I would be condemned by God and lose my family and salvation was a powerful deterrent. Once I began to read the thoroughly documented facts about Mormonism, I was shocked. Even then, I was afraid to read the Bible on my own. I was taught the Bible was not translated correctly, so I began reading the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible. Before I even got past the preface, I read that one part of the Joseph Smith translation has been found to contradict another part. I also read in the preface that it contradicts the Book of Mormon. How astonishing to discover this. As I continued to read and to compare his Bible with the King James Bible, I saw how frivolous some of his changes were. I became so agitated reading the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, I had to put it away. When I began studying the Bible without all the distortions, I have been amazed how God has opened up my understanding. Over time, I continue to learn the true gospel of Christ while discarding the many ways Mormonism has twisted and corrupted the truth. I realize that my family doesn't want to believe their religion is based on distortion and pious lies. Like many of your viewers who have invested a lifetime in Mormonism, they cannot let go of the concept of working for their salvation. They cannot let go of the titles and the power and prestige they receive and all the promises of eternal families and eternal power and glory of becoming a God. They cannot let go of belonging to the religion that comes with ready-made friends and belonging to such a popular and powerful organization that does so much good and makes them feel so good. 
I have realized over time that only God can open their eyes. We continue to pray for all the precious people caught in the devil's snare of Mormonism and polygamy. They are as gullible as I once was. Thank you for your dedication to spreading the word of God. We love you, your friend in Christ. And I want to thank this lady. She knows who she is. And we are grateful to hear from people that have had the courage to let go of their past belief and cling to the truth. And it does take courage sometimes. I wish that each of our viewers could somehow get inside our head and experience uh, what it's like in our minds and to help you understand how horrible and how paralyzing the fear is that we experienced in the thinking and the planning and the actual process of leaving a religion like polygamy. The bondage and the fear that these groups pack into our lives is unbelievable. Some people tell me that I was very courageous to get out like I did, but I'm here to tell you I was not courageous. I was just plain desperate and I was tired. I was so tired of living in fear every day of my miserable life in that polygamy group. And that's not exaggeration. I was tired of living in daily fear. And you know, there are hundreds, no doubt thousands of people who have left polygamy groups through the years. And I've talked to, to uncountable numbers of people who have also left groups. And almost all of them experienced unbelievable fear before they left. And even after they were gone, the fear continued to plague them. And that fear is from the devil. I get calls from people who want to leave, but they are scared to death to get out. And without exception, almost all of those decide who decide not to leave decide not to go for two reasons. The first one is that they're afraid they'll lose their families. And the second reason is that they're afraid of going to hell. And every time I hear them say this, my heart breaks all over again. Everyone watching this needs to know this. If your family, if you choose to leave either your polygamy group or Mormon church, and your family deserts you or rejects you because you do this, they are the ones who are going against Jesus' teachings, not you. And if anyone goes to hell, it is for only one reason. No one will ever go to hell for leaving polygamy or for leaving the Mormon church, for that matter. No one will ever see hell because they left a religion. Hell is reserved for those who try to earn eternal life by their own works. Because in doing that, they are rejecting everything that Jesus has already done for them and instead offer up their own works righteousness. And self-righteousness is not the way to God's heaven. But religion and the devil's work puts fear in their hearts. And make no mistake about it, the fear of leaving either polygamy or Mormonism is from the devil. It's not from God. God wants people out of those religious systems, but the devil doesn't. And the devil's greatest tool is fear, and he uses it very effectively. How do I know this? Well, this is what God says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. He says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. God is love. 
He loves you and he wants you to rely on his love for you. He doesn't want you to rely on anything or anyone else, just himself and he and his love is perfect and it's all we need. 1 John chapter 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. There is no fear in God's love. If you have fear about leaving your religion, that fear is not from God. God's love is perfect, and perfect love derives out fear. If you're in polygamy or in the Mormon church and you want to leave, but you're fearful of leaving, you need to know that fear is not from God. God wants you to follow Him and to love Him above all things. He wants you, and He wants you to want Him. He doesn't want you to follow any religion or any man or any prophet, not polygamy, not celestial marriage, oaths or temples. None of these things help you or aid your relationship to God. The relationship that God wants for each of us cannot be found in religion. It isn't achieved by being a member of some religious system. We're currently working on a new DVD uh, for the ministry, uh, interviewing people from polygamy groups, and it's uh, probably going to be entitled, The God Who Sees Me. And you can go online, thegodwhosseesme.com, and get some information about it. And the title is taken from Genesis 16:13, where Hagar is comforted by God after she runs in fear from Sarah's mistreatment. Hagar wasn't afraid of God. Hagar was glad that God saw her and approached her in love, in comfort, and to protect her. She said, you are the God who sees me. And indeed, God sees us. He sees all of us all the time. He sees our pain, our troubles and trials. He, he sees polygamy and the bondage of religion and sees those who work all those dead works. God sees and wants you to know, just as he wanted Hagar to know, that he alone can and will protect us from the fears that religion puts in us because perfect lo love drives out fear. Religion will cause fear. Perfect love drives out that fear. God's love will drive away your fears if you'll just trust him instead of celestial marriage. God wants us all to understand that he has already done the required works for us. We don't have to work something that God has already done. The only way anyone will get to heaven is by absolute perfection. And no one but Jesus can be absolutely perfect. But when sinners, and that's all of us, when we place our full and complete trust and faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life, God will credit Jesus' perfect life to us, and God will credit us as being perfect in Christ. The free gift of eternal life is for anyone and everyone who will give up trying to be perfect and who will trust and believe God's testimony, which is Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and three days later he came out of that grave alive and he was seen. And all in who believe and trust that message will be saved by God's gift of grace. Grace is a foreign concept to polygamous. Grace isn't the blessing you say before we eat. It doesn't mean that through grace God wants us to work our way to eternal life. Grace is that you completely give up doing it yourself and trust 120% on God who has done it all for us on the cross. That isn't a crutch. That's grace. And that's what God requires. 
Religion says, do this and do that and do something else and do more. Grace says, done. Grace is a gift from God. And it's not a single one of us who deserves grace. And no one is granted eternal life except by grace and through grace alone. It's a free gift from God. But polygamy groups don't teach those truths of God. Mormon-based religion makes God, eternal life, and earthly life so complicated, so burdensome, so difficult, that some people have coined the phrase, it's the impossible gospel. And so it is. It's impossible. It's impossible because there's only one way. And any other way is that broad road to destruction that Jesus talked about and warned us about. That one way is not Mormonism. It isn't polygamy. It's Jesus Christ. He says, I am the way. And we beg all of our viewers, look at the cross of Jesus Christ because everyone who goes to heaven must first kneel at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ because that is where His blood will cleanse you of all sin. Good night. This has been the audio podcast edition of Polygamy, What Love Is This? This program is a production of A Shield and Refuge Ministry and Main Street Church of Brigham City. You can view current and past video episodes as well as download audio episodes of this program at whatloveisthis.tv. If you or someone you know is in need of assistance in leaving a polygamous situation, please contact us. We are here to help. All of our contact information can be found at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 877-425-9993. If you have any questions or comments about this or any of our other programs, we'd love to hear from you. Write us at email at whatloveisthis.tv. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again.